Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, we are diving into the conversation about generations. This, of course, is not a new conversation, but one that has been happening with every new generation that arrives. The reality is that each generation grows up in a different time and a different environment than the ones before, and it creates different characteristics that define them. And differences can have a tendency to disrupt things. These differences force us to evaluate how we do things and ask ourselves what we care about more, engaging the next generation in a way that draws them to Jesus or sticking with the methods that we've become comfortable with. In this episode, we're talking about the Gen Z generation. And to have this conversation, Elizabeth Faulkner from our leadership development team went to two of our Immerse students who are heavily invested in reaching Gen Zs as they lead youth ministries in their churches. Peter Bird is the youth pastor at the Meeting Place Church in Nanaimo, and Eric Vila is the youth intern at Central Baptist Church in Victoria. You'll get to hear them share about what they see in Gen Z, what their hopes are for this generation, and what we as the church need to do to engage them in meaningful ways. So let's get to it. Here's Elizabeth's conversation with Peter Bird and Eric Vila. Welcome to the Propel podcast. I'm Elizabeth Faulkner, and today is a good day because I am here with Peter Bird and Eric Vila. And Peter Bird is from the Meeting Place in Nanaimo. Hey, Peter. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good. How are you? Doing really good. Good. And I'm here also with Eric Vila, who's from Central Church in Victoria. How's it going, Eric? Oh, pretty great today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And, you know, I'm here with a couple of island boys. And we were talking before the podcast, and they're proud island boys and actually I'm a proud island girl I grew up on the island although I haven't lived there in over 20 years so I don't know if I can still claim that but I like I like to pretend that I'm uh, still an island girl so really happy to be talking to my fellow island people um, and you know both of these guys serve in, serve youth in their churches and they're also both second year immersed students so Glad to have you guys. And we've invited them here today to talk about Gen Z, or as some people like to say, Gen Z. But I think we should call them Gen Z because we're all Canadians. Although I noticed before this conversation, you guys were calling them Gen Z, but we're going to call them Gen Z. And, you know, we've had all the talks about millennials. I know I've sat through them, I've read about them, and I'm sure as millennials yourselves or almost millennials, because Eric, we just found out that Eric actually could be uh, Gen Z. So that's kind of interesting. You've heard all the stereotypes and you've been frustrated by them probably. Um, in fact, I'm a Gen X and from my experience as Gen Xers, we love to talk about millennials. Uh, so Peter, this is your chance to shine the light on this next generation and um, turn the conversation away from those lazy millennials <laughs> um, and talk about the Gen Xers. I actually don't think that millennials are lazy. Um, but seriously, we're not here to put anybody in a box, um, but really just look at some common traits of this next generation that might help us understand them and help us as churches to adjust our style, adjust our mode, uh, of how we do ministry to better reach them for Christ and really engage them in service, engage them in proclaiming the gospel in our, in our communities and engage them in leadership in our churches. So that's what we're here to talk about today. But before we kind of dive into that, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Um, tell us a little bit about yourselves, your family. And one thing one other thing is just why you love your church. I always like to hear that on these podcasts. What do you love about your church? So Peter, why don't you start us off? All right, yeah. So yeah, my name is Peter. As Elizabeth, as Elizabeth said, I'm from Nanaimo and I'm working at the Meeting Place Church. Um, and so yeah, I'm working as the youth pastor here. Um, in August, I'll be at the Meeting Place for six years. I think I'll like working at the Meeting Place. I started going to the meeting place in 2012 when I first moved to Nanaimo from, from Camp Kuanos. 
Um, and yeah, so I live in Nanaimo here with my wife, Emily. We've been married for just over seven years now. Uh, no kids, but a few uh, fuzzy friends that live with us. Um, <laughs> yeah, and why do I love my church? Just even before I started coming to TMP, what we call uh, the meeting place, uh, I met a few of the guys from the meeting place um, through music at Camp Kuanos and yeah, had a lot of fun with them. They were very like open uh, and uh, inviting, funny guys. And uh, so I just knew that when I went to Nanaimo, I wanted to go to the meeting place and uh, came to the meeting place September 2012 and just sort of jumped right in. I actually ended up playing drums on my first Sunday at TMP because like my first week, I like knew I wanted to be involved. So I just went to like all the volunteer meetings for all the groups I wanted to be a part of because everything was starting up. And then yeah. the music director was like, oh, no pressure. I know you just moved here, but uh, would, do you want to play drums this Sunday? <laughs> and like they, they had known me already for a while and knew right. Russ and right. knew that I kind of had a read on who I was. So yeah, that was why I just fell in love with TMP and the community. Awesome. That's fantastic. I love how you just dove right in there and got involved and they just welcomed you in. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And how about you, Eric? Tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name's Eric, like, like Elizabeth said. I'm from Victoria, BC here on the island. Um, I go to Central Baptist Church here in Victoria. And yeah, I'm one of the youth interns here. Um, and I've been on staff at Central for a little over three years now. Uh, but I grew up at Central, so I was born and raised in the church. Um, yeah, I live here with my uh, beautiful wife, Sarah. And I also have a fuzzy friend, but no kids. We've been married for a little over a year, so not quite the seven years that six or seven years that Peter has, but we're we're loving it. <laughs> okay. And uh, so experienced now, Eric. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just why I love my church. Um, I just love how Central invests in building up future leaders. I mean, I not I don't want to brag, but I feel like I am an example of that. Right. I grew up at Central. I went through all the kids programming, youth programming. And then when I was in college, my youth pastor was like, hey, want to take a shot at this? I can help build you up. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready, but if you think so, sure. That's awesome. I love both of your stories, right? How your, your churches both just engaged you uh, right where you were at and got you involved. And that's that's pretty cool. I think it's actually a pretty cool example of probably what we're talking about today, even in reaching this next generation of how those relationships and engaging people right where they had their interests um, was so important. So kind of interesting, actually, just hearing you guys say that right away. Okay, so something about Gen Z that I've noticed, because I have three Gen Z children. Okay, so I sit at my dinner table um, most nights and I, un I un do not understand their language. Okay, so I'm, I'm really hoping just to start us out that you can help us understand some of the Gen Z vocab. You can help, help us out, help, help us old people out there understand their language. Can you tell me about some of their vocab? Because, um, you know, I think we need to know that. Eric, you got you have some vocab for us to help us understand. Ooh, I got a list here. I got slap. Okay. I got slap and cap. Slap means you know excellent, amazing, awesome. Cap yeah. usually means you know that's a lie. That's not true. You know you're blowing <laughs> steam. Um, yeah. You got bougie and extra. Tell me about bougie, please. Yeah, bougie is like. <laughs> Bougie is like you're fancy, you're extravagant, you know, you're lavish, you know, you oh. you, you deck yourself out. Um, okay. uh, a new one that I've started to hear is sus, so suspicious, you know, questionable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fire is is one that is a common one. You know, that's cool. That's awesome. That's like rad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, goat. G O A T greatest of all time right awesome greatest of all time I hear the fire one at my house a lot that's <laughs> fire that's a fire a fire beat or whatever <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about okay Peter you got any more for us yeah actually as I was like thinking about this at first I was like oh I don't know and then I like 
I did a Google search as well. And I saw this and I'm like, I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, I think I actually say a lot of these words too, because they've influenced me so much. So I didn't consider it like a Gen Z word, but uh, there was a few that I had to like, sure. Yeah. Gen Z. Yeah. I'm just, I'm Canadian context, (laughs) but keep it contextually sound. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I've actually had to like ask the kids, like, what are you saying right now when they text me? And um, then they come back with, okay, boomer. (laughs) <laughs> really? have you yeah have you heard that or if you say something that's like considered like old school okay boomer yeah. even if you're not a boomer they'll say that to you I haven't heard that yet and then I say no I'm a millennial I like avocado toast okay <laughs> yeah 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 um one of them that I actually had to ask about was bet okay what does that mean so it just means like yep okay yeah because like I had a kid message me I was like hey are we like gonna hang out and stuff and he's like or I said yeah we're gonna hang out this time and he goes I bet and I understood that he meant yes from the context but I was also like I thought maybe he was had misspelled something but then when he constantly would say bet I was like what does bet mean (laughs) he's like oh it just means okay I'm like all right cool um yeah sus was another one that came up too that I thought was hilarious because it's pretty, it's a newer one. And it actually came out of a video game, like a, or a, a cell phone game oh. called Among Us, which is basically like a murder mystery game. And right. so because you're texting each other and like, you're trying to use as few words as possible, someone will be like, you're sus. And then it became real vocabulary. <laughs> okay. That is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then a couple more. One of my favorites actually recently is mood. Yeah. Like what? if some mood, mm-hmm. mood, okay. Yeah. So like if you're talking with somebody and they're like, oh, like I'm, I'm like having a pretty chill day or I'm not feeling great or whatever, or I'm feeling awesome. You just say mood. And it's like, yeah, same. Mood. Like I'm feeling the same way. And I, I don't know. I thought that one was kind of fun. Yeah. And then the last one, this is an older uh, Gen Z word is uh, lit. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been around oh, yeah. for a while, which is yeah. like cool. It can mean cool. Oh, that's lit. But yeah. you can also get lit, which means like getting high, getting drunk. Right. So context matters. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? Because every generation kind of has their language, right? And and so we kind of could look at it a little bit like it's almost like a different culture, right? Mm-hmm. They have totally. their own language. They've grown up in a different time with a different in- kind of environment that they're growing if- up in. And that's kind of what creates these characteristics of their of their culture. And so I think the vocab is really interesting. I and mean, even that word sus, mm-hmm. even the fact that that's a word of this generation kind of tells you a little bit about their generation, right? Because they're a little bit suspect, suspicious of everything, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. And so even the language maybe points to some of the characteristics mm. but if you were to give us some characteristics of gen z and let and, and there's always kind of these loose definitions of when uh these generations start but most of what i read is that gen z starts around 1995 1996 eric what year were you born I'm a 1996 boy okay yeah. so we've, we've got eric here who is perhaps a Gen Z. So we have an expert in the house. (laughs) And anyway, so Gen Z is around 1995, 96, up to, they think around 2012. And you know, that's just all a little bit of a a guessing game in some ways, but that's kind of what we're looking at. So when you guys are thinking about this generation, what are some of the characteristics you think that, that, generally define this generation Mm. Peter you want to start us off with that yeah I guess just like tech savviness is a big characteristic um I don't know as I was thinking about this question I was like what what are some characteristics because I don't I I don't typically look at society and like lump people into different like generations so Mm -hmm. I think it's just like I think I see characteristics of society in general more so but I do think that's being driven a lot by the younger generations um, but yeah, just tech savviness, tech connectedness. Um, one of the places I've seen that is on our video team. Um, mm-hmm. So in the last year, I've brought like four or five uh, youth guys 
into the camera team and it's like, you're running like a, a video mixer on a computer, but the speed at which they pick it up, like I've tried to explain it even to people who are like more in the millennial phase or older Gen Zs and they don't pick it up as quickly, but the 13, 14 year olds are like, oh, okay, boom, 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 boom. One of the kids was like digging into the program and setting up like triggers and stuff that I didn't even know existed. Awesome. Um, so just, yeah, diving right in there, but uh, just their, their awareness and ability to like interface with technology. They kind of have a general sense of where stuff is already. Like if they pick up a phone, they can find all these settings and change stuff. I can't leave my phone with certain individuals because they'll just change all my settings. Oh, it's better now. It's like, no, I needed to do what it was doing before. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely one thing that I see. Yeah. And really this generation is the first generation to grow up with the iPhone, mm -hmm. right? They're the first ones who grew up with like, they were probably around seven ish. The young, like the oldest Gen Zs were probably around seven or eight when the iPhone came out. So, you know, my kids who are born <laughs> 2003, they basically grew up with this. They didn't, mm -hmm. they don't know a world without this technology, mm -hmm. right? Which I think affects their mindset and the way they view the world, right? Totally. Yeah. What about you, Eric? What do you see as some characteristics? Um, yeah, I mean, the first one that came to mind when I heard that question was like what Peter said, like they're the first digital natives, right? You know, like you said, they're the first ones to be born into this digital age. Like yeah. even me, like even though I'm technically a Gen Z, you know, I had to learn how to use a smartphone. And like Peter said, like the younger Gen Z, Gen Z's, Gen Z's, um, yeah. it's just it's just ingrained in them. It's just so natural. Um, yeah, I also noticed that Gen Z, they're an increasingly like socially minded and politically active generation, right? Like even on their social media, right? Like right. Peter and I were talking yesterday, like there's some stuff going down in Colombia, and yeah. instantly, you know, all, all of my youth, all the Gen Z people that I know are, are reposting putting stories up, you know, writing tweets and stuff about it. And it's just, that's, that, that's what they're on fire for. Yeah. So they're, well, they're connected, right, with the world. Mm -hmm. And they're, they have an idea that they can make a difference almost, right? Like they already are thinking, oh, maybe I can affect some change um, in some way through social. So I noticed that yesterday too, that Columbia thing. Suddenly I'm like, whoa, bang. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody is talking about things right away. Yeah, any other characteristics that you notice? One that's kind of branching off of the social media and even the like the socially minded thing is that they're the first generation that can reach and influence, you know, thousands of people at the push of a button. Mm, and I yeah. think that is just like mind boggling, even for me. Yeah. And maybe even they don't, they don't grasp it. They don't understand the significance possibly of that kind of almost mm -hmm. that power uh, that they have, or maybe they do, maybe you understand it better um, than we think you do <laughs> <laughs> when I, now that I'm saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other, anything else like Peter, anything else you notice? Yeah, like, like I said, look more at their at like attitudes or view of the world or that kind of thing. I don't know. It's kind of hard to like to describe just like the interactions just with like individuals. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just I interact with so many different people that I'm just like like so many different like yeah youth and stuff that I just see them more as them than like a a, a group of people. I guess. Mm -hmm. Which is really really interesting because a lot of the reading I did about this was that Gen Z is one of the harder generations to pinpoint mm. because they are they are all about their uniqueness mm -hmm. actually and that's something that's really important to them and so even to like look at them and try to pinpoint what are what are the characteristics can actually be a little bit tricky um for this generation so it's even interesting to hear you say that but what's also really cool i think peter is how i just love your perspective that you see the people <laughs> you mm. know you see your relationships and you see each of them as individuals 
And I think you're already like on track for what this generation needs from the church is we, they need us to see them as individuals. So I just, I, anyways, I, I'm good, get jumping ahead of myself. But, uh, I just think that's amazing. Like how awesome is that? Um, yeah. Do you, maybe I'm off track. No, no, I think, it, I think you're right. Um, I think also just like the, uh, cause I guess when you asked me that question too, there's some thoughts that I have that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Cause I know we're going to kind of chat about it a bit later too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of them is just echoing what Eric said, just the social mindedness. Right. Um, and also I think that has to do with the age of the Gen Z, like what, yeah. which, what, who are you dealing with? Like the younger ones are just more, they're still like kind of kids and they're yeah. excited about like connecting with people and they do that primarily through phones and technology and stuff and playing online with their friends like video games and stuff um but yeah then the older ones definitely get more like socially and politically engaged and mm -hmm. like they care about what happens in their world and like they're they're socially minded and they're socially aware yeah so oh yeah interesting um so what do you you know, those are some characteristics and we're going to talk about more of the characters um, further along, but what do you see as the greatest lights in Gen Z or the greatest hope uh, you have for this generation? And then maybe at the same time, talk about what do you think are some of their biggest challenges uh, that they're facing? Eric, you want to start us off? Yeah, um, one of the greatest hopes and like potentials that I personally see in Gen Z is actually something I mentioned earlier, how, you know, they are the first generation that can influence people just at the push of a button. And I, I think that is a great light and a great hope, you know, especially if they're, if they use that potential, you know, to share the message of Christ and, you know, spread his love and his grace, like, like the potential for that is limitless. Um, but at the same time, that could also be a challenge, right? Because some people say that Gen Z, you know, is a generation of like um, truth seekers, right? They're always looking for, you know, what's real, what's behind this, you know, they hear a media story and they want to know, okay, where is this coming from? Right. Um, but, you know, that eagerness to want to know the truth can also lead them like overwhelmed and discombobulated with just all of the stuff that's saturating them. Yeah, interesting. That's a really good observation. Yeah, Peter, anything from you? What do you see as the greatest lights and challenges? Yeah, I think it's just connected to what I like just chatted about a minute ago about like the social awareness and the care, the care for others, welfare. Like that is a huge value for Gen mm -hmm. Z. And like you see it all over their social media and stuff. Like it's not just about posting memes and stuff, but even the memes are super politically charged, like on both sides. Like, um, so that's one of the, the lights that I see is that they care, they're looking out. They're not just looking in, um, they, they kind of care about, yeah, they care about others. Um, and then the biggest challenge I think is tied to that, which is interesting because that always seems to be the case. It's like your greatest weakness is like your greatest strengths inverted on itself almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's just a ton of, because they're living their lives online before everybody, um, there's a lot of social pressure. There's a ton of social pressure. Everybody sees everything you do. They see your bio, they see all your pictures. Um, you can't really disconnect from it. And there's this like pressure to kind of like save everything, you know? climate change, social justice issues, like things that are happening in Colombia, things that are happening in Yemen, everywhere. It's like in your face, it's on your phone and you got to decide what you're going to do about it. And if you, you, if you post about it, you're doing something. If you don't post about it, you're doing something. And this is one of the big pressures that I see on the youth and is that they're yeah they're pressured to do something about it and I think the ways in which they're they're feeling pressure is this pressure to like do justice all the time like figure out how to make justice happen um and then also like figure out your identity right at the and same the reason time. that the, the identity thing is super important is I think I don't know how conscious it is 
but the version of justice that's being presented today has a lot to do with your identity because I mean, it's even being taught in the schools pretty forthrightly now, like the critical theory approach to justice, which essentially chops everybody up into identity groups. And based on your identity group, you are either more of an oppressor or you're more oppressed. And, and the, this version of justice seeks to flip the, the power structures and like undo a bunch of these systems. So there's a real, I think, subconscious pressure for youth to figure out their identity, but also like who wants to identify as an oppressor? So there's like this, I think an unconscious scramble to identify further down the oppression scale, mm. which I don't know, this is, this is getting into a bunch of other stuff that's probably a complete podcast on its own, but yeah, in yeah. figuring out your identity, you then figure out how you do justice, but it's all very like, I think a lot of it happens on a subconscious social pressure level. Yeah. And so this is one of the, I think uh, the greatest challenges is like, how do you sort through all that? And I don't know if a lot of the Gen Zs even know what questions they're asking yet, but they feel them very mm. deeply. Yeah. I think, I think it's so interesting what you both said is that they're, um, you know, they're looking out and they, they think they can have an influence is a strength, you know? And I, I often think of, I've often thought that more on the weakness side, right? Like they think that their social media their ability to have a platform is being a, as a weakness for them. And I, and I appreciate what you both said about that actually being a strength, but then also Peter, what you said about it, it being a real challenge and how important their identity is. And that just, you know, that like rings all sorts of bells in probably all of our heads about one way of reaching how we really need to focus in on reaching this generation. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is that, focusing in on their identity is a really important issue that we need to, um, and I don't, I think, I think that's always been an important thing, but more so now, how do we talk about identity with this generation? So mm -hmm. I don't know, that I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. And I, that whole conversation about being oppressors or I can, I probably can't really have a good conversation about that, but I just was thinking that um, I was reading or I was listening to a podcast about the decline in trust of institutions. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if it has, is connected in that somehow because they're so aware of the lack of, uh, of the way institutions have failed them, right? And so now this generation really does not trust institutions, which, you know, we're all a part of this institution. So anyways, how do we as a church then, there's so many challenges we could talk about. Um, yeah. How do we as a church meet them in this challenge? And what do you think is going to draw them to Jesus? What do you think are the key things that we can focus in to help draw this generation to Jesus? Who wants to start? Do you want to start, Peter? Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that's been going through my head a lot recently is you can't tell anybody what to do. Like you never really could, but even more so <laughs> you tell a Gen Z what they should do. And they're going to be like, well, obviously you have other motives. And it's like, <laughs> like, that's just, the, that's like the gut reaction. Um, so I think the approach that I have been, um, that it's been starting to develop in me is trying to show them the beauty of, of who Jesus is. Yeah. Not tell them what they should or should not do, but try to just draw them to who Jesus is by exemplifying that in the way that I live and also uh, in the stories that we look at in scripture. Mm -hmm. And just looking at how beautiful God's heart is in the way that he engages with people, um, like through like when Jesus was here on earth, you know, like with the way that he the way that he treated people, the way that he valued people. And the fact that his whole reason for coming was to give his life, was to serve humanity, all people, even those who hated him. He wanted to serve them by giving them the chance to know him and know life. Mm. And like, that's beautiful. That's compelling. And it's like every injustice you see in the world, Jesus cares about that. He cares about every single hurting person. 
and he has done something about it and he will continue to do something about it. And that's beautiful. And just trying to, trying to display that and then lead youth to the point where like they can see the identity that they can have in relationship with him. Hmm. You know, so, and what is the beauty in that? Like you actually now get to play an active participatory role in what Jesus is doing in the world now. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the ways I've, I've thought about it. And I'm, it's starting to impact more like my writing and the way that I talk with the youth is just like putting forward this idea of partnership with Jesus and working out of an identity as his child, as his loved child. Yeah. Mm. I love that you mentioned the beauty, the beauty of the, go- the gospel, right? And how we can display that beauty, right? By living out our lives with his grace and with mm. his presence. And the reason that really strikes me is because I'm reading this book. We're reading this as a staff at Fellowship Pacific, and it's called Cultural Apologetics mm-hmm. by Paul M. Gold. I don't know if you guys have read that book. And it's all about re-enchant- how you re-enchant people with the gospel. And one, a whole chapter is just about the beauty of the gospel and how we've forgotten mm. to display that beauty and sell it and look for the beauty of that in our lives and in creation and all around mm. that and how people need to be in- re-engaged by that. So I just love Peter, that you mentioned that. Um, thank you. Eric, what about you? How do you think? What do you think? How are we going to draw this generation to Jesus? Let's see. I mean, Peter kind of nailed it on the head what I was thinking, but yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think the important <laughs> I think the important thing is that we, we can, yeah, like Peter said, we can't tell them what to do. You know, we can't tell them what they should do. We have to motivate them to want to follow Jesus. They have to motivate them to want to seek out the truth that is, you know, Jesus Christ, right? Um, yeah. If you know, my, my view of it is, you know, if they are a generation of truth seekers, let's point them towards the truth that is Christ, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just like, you know, like John 14 says, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Let's, put, let's start by there, pointing there. And I really want to emphasize the pointing them towards him, not forcing them to go down there, Mm-hmm. not shoving them down the path, but just pointing them, directing them, guiding them. And like Peter said, we can best do that by living our lives in imitation of Christ and just showing them by example. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they're a generation that's so used to people telling them things that in order for us to reach them, we need to sh- not just tell them, but show them. You know, that is a parenting lesson. You might not know that, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> That right there is a parenting lesson, I think, for parents of young Zeds, because uh, that pointing, it's so true. They don't, they don't want to be told what to believe. Like, you know, my kids have grown up in a Christian home where we talk about Jesus all the time. I, you know, I've served in the church their whole lives, but they still don't want to be told. They want to, they want to see it lived out. And I mean, I think that's been true for every generation. But this gener, you know, it's a good, they don't want to be told the truth. They want to be attracted. They need to be attracted to that truth. And, you know, that's all about really, as we look at um, going to any kind of culture or any generation, we have to look at the modes and the way that we do things and adjust those, um, right, to, to really be able to reach this generation. Um, yeah, it's interesting because when I was, was thinking about this question, I remember reading uh, an article from Carrie Newhoff about saying it w- some research about who's going to come back to the church, right? And, and he, there's a stat from Barna that, for, that said that 41% of Gen Z say they don't want to return to in-person church, you know, when we get to do come to in-person church. But what I'm hearing you guys saying, you're talking all about Jesus, about attracting people to Jesus, not attracting people to the church. And I don't know, I didn't have that question in our list, yeah. but what do you think about that? Like, is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> or what other thoughts? I mean, like, I feel like in order to attract them to the church, we need to attract them to Jesus first, right? Like we're not trying to draw them to Central Baptist Church. We're not trying to draw them to TMP. Ultimately, we're trying to draw them and point them towards God, right? And I think that's where we need to 
you know, some people need, just need to recenter their focus on, you know, okay, what are we doing? What is the goal that we're trying to do when we're trying to reach these youth? And mm-hmm. just ask ourselves, is it, is it based on us or is it based on God? Right, right. Yeah, any other thoughts from you, Peter? That's awesome. Thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, when I, when I first heard that stat, like 41% say they're not going to come back. The, my initial response was like, I'll believe it when I see it. Because like, everybody's like, everyone at this point in the pandemic is like, oh, I can't wait for stuff to open and get back in person. And that is one of the things that I've heard about Gen Z is that they're very good with technology, but they actually prefer in-person stuff. Yeah. So I'm curious how much of that for two things I'm curious about. When was the study taken? Was it taken when there was novelty around staying home on a Sunday morning? And that was the first thing. And then number two, how many of those Gen Z's that say they're not going to come back are kind of done with church in general? Right. Not just, not, not the, not like the in-person thing. It's like church in general. And then, yeah, like Mm -hmm. Eric said, just drawing them to Jesus. And the other thought that I had around that was like, as we draw them to Jesus, you know, what value does that give to in-person church? Because that Mm -hmm. is, I believe, the way we should be meeting. Obviously, when there's a pandemic on, I mean, there is social responsibility as a faith community to love our neighbors through not spreading around a virus that, you know, could potentially harm people and stuff like that. You know, we've we've all had those conversations. (laughs) um, (laughs) when, When it's like safe to, yeah, getting together in person, I think, is um is really important and i think it's Mm. how you actually have community right you know and even these people that meet online like i remember a bunch of years ago there was like this group called anonymous online that was growing on like some fringe websites and stuff i watched this like (laughs) i watched this uh, documentary on it and part of the documentary was they were actually all getting together to like protest something and they all documented themselves and all these people who were just affiliated through this online thing were really excited to be in person with their community Wow. And I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. And that was a bunch of millennials, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think same thing for like Gen Z, they do value in-person um, community. Yeah. And as we draw them to Jesus, like what is the value of meeting in-person on a Sunday morning? Because mm-hmm. yeah. if, and- if we can engage that value, then I think, yeah, people will be drawn to that. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think you're right. I think that... Gen Z wants to be relational, but maybe some of the things I was listening to is that maybe they don't know how, Mm -hmm. because because it's easier for this generation to engage online. So that's easier, right? To send a text or a Snapchat or whatever the most recent thing is, right? Like it's easier to do that online, but it's Mm. actually not what they want. Mm. They actually want those relationships, but they actually maybe don't know how. Mm. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, what's your experience with that? Or how do we help this next generation engage in in-person relationships? I'm like springing a, a question out of nowhere on you. <laughs> I didn't have time to think about this. That? I can't answer that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think like, I think you kind of nailed it though, Elizabeth, like they, they long for those deeper, more meaningful relationships, but they don't know how to process them. Right. Cause like you said, they're so, they're ingrained in a society where a relationship is texting, you know, a relationship is likes on Instagram or, you know, retweets or repost that. Yeah. I think, I think we just need to or one of the things we need to do is just show them, like Peter said, the value in fellowship and the value in community. And how do we do that ultimately? By showing them, you know, the love that Jesus has showed us and showing them why we choose, you know, why we choose to come together in person, why we choose to, you know, step out from behind the screen and meet face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And that means we need to be good at relationships, mm-hmm. right? we need to engage in them we need to maybe take go the extra mile to have um, to engage in those personal relationships realizing that maybe right away they're not going to be super good at it mm-hmm. and but they might need a little more effort on our behalf to engage um, like 
from our end to be able to engage in those relationships because maybe they're just not as good at it at yeah. those relationships so yeah i don't know i think at first too they might even be resistant or resistive of it right because they're they they, they've also grown up in a culture where you know cancel culture is a thing right where if they don't like something or if something gets awkward or uncomfortable they just unfriend and unlike and i think um i can and i can speak with a little experience with this uh just through some relationships in my own life um how you know, we need to work through that awkwardness and, you know, they're not going to want to do that potentially, but we mm-hmm. need to show them that, Hey, yeah, this is weird. Hey, this isn't the greatest right now, but I'm willing to invest in you and our relationship and to build this up. I love that. Really love that. Yeah. I'm willing to invest and go, you know, go the stretch of time to see us have a relationship. That's and isn't that reflective of what, of Jesus really, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that he has that patience over time to keep reaching out to us. And I don't know, I just love, I love what you said there, Eric. Um, okay. So some of the other research on this suggests that Gen Z are very driven and success, success oriented. Um, curious, do you see this in this generation? Eric's nodding his head. Oh, yeah. Um, how does this help us understand how to reach and serve them? You know, Peter, why don't you, what do you think? Yeah, as I was thinking about this, I definitely see this in, again, the older Gen Zs. I think the younger ones are still like sorting stuff out. Yeah. Um, and I, it was also difficult because, like I said earlier, like it's not just like, oh, this is a Gen Z thing, not a millennial thing, not a Gen X thing right? Uh, I think it's just like, I think this is something that's kind of not too specific to Gen Z. Um, But uh, yeah, just talking about like, how do we serve them in light of that? Because I definitely do think it's true. I have like a number of youth who just like don't come to youth because of like homework and stuff. But it's like, like pretty like over the top homework, almost like they they put in a lot of work, let's say. And I don't know, my threshold for homework wasn't super high when I was in high school. But (laughs) Um, yeah, I think, how do we serve them in that? Like, when I think about that, I just get the sense that there's a lot of pressure tied up in that. There's a lot of pressure to achieve. There's a lot of pressure to, um, to succeed. Um, and I think like the opposite of that is like just a piece in knowing who you are, not because of anything you do. Right. You know, and this kind of comes back to that, the beauty of, of our identity as God's child um, instead of looking at life in a way of, I have to succeed so that I can be this thing. It's like, oh, because I am a loved child of God. And like, that's an identity that he gives to me and that he sustains. I can have peace in that. I don't have to work to earn it or to mean, or to maintain a top level of childhoodness of God's, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead now I get to work out of my identity because of like the joy I have in it, as opposed to I'm working so that I can become an identity or uphold an identity or prove to everybody that I am that identity. Hmm. Interesting. So we come back again to that identity in Christ being so important. For the mm-hmm. Interesting. Eric, anything to add? Peter kind of took all of it. But, um... Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> I feel, shouldn't yeah. have sent me your notes. <laughs> Just I knew this was going to be good. <laughs> this was going to be good coming from both of you. So, but yeah, I mean, any other thoughts about that? I mean, like as a you know older Gen Z myself, um, yeah. I would say that um, you know how like how does this help us reach them? You know, it helps us understand what motivates them, right? And mm-hmm yeah right because like if they're if they're motivated by success by goals by you know whatever else um that's you know that's a way that we can kind of dive into their lives you know like oh if they're really into um setting a goal for themselves and reaching it you know what's a goal that we can set for them you know that involves that involves jesus ultimately um and i think rather yeah rather than 
trying to change how they think we need to try to reach and change you know what's in their heart to kind of go back to what peter said you know just seeing the beauty that you and yeah just seeing the beauty that you have and knowing that your identity is in christ not in what you do Hmm. yeah so that and also i was thinking too just the grace of god i mean that's been that's so important for any generation in their journey of coming to christ that's probably your experience it's my experience (laughs) but we can't forget about that that god's grace um is gonna speak i think again Mm -hmm. (laughs) as it always has and always will to this generation right that they're accepted um no matter what they've done and they can live out of that acceptance in christ so i think yeah i don't know i think that's a message maybe that um we need to keep on um uh, celebrating and sharing and explaining uh to this generation um the other thing, and I, I hear that these kind of conversations are at my dinner table a lot, um, is this value of inclusiveness, right, um, is very important to this generation. Um, and depending how you talk about this, right, this is something that as Christians, we should, I think we should celebrate that anybody can be included, right? So I'm just wondering, how do you, and I don't want to get into you know, everything about all inclusive inclusiveness when we're talking about that, but really how do we lean into and celebrate this value in a biblical way with this, with Gen Z? Cause I think we can do that. I think we can lean into this value and find a way to um, speak to this generation. So what are your thoughts on this? Go for it, Eric. <laughs> Uh-huh. This is a hard one. Oh, this, this was a hard I'm, one. I'm like, this is a hard question. I just wanted to give Eric the chance to steal all my thoughts. <laughs> okay, good. Well, you guys are back. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's I awesome. Mean, this is a hard one, but this is also a good one that I think um, as youth leaders and just as, uh, you know, church leaders that we need to think of and be aware of. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, totally. I think it's something that we definitely need to celebrate. Like inclusiveness is is you know, the gospel. The gospel is for everyone, right? It's not just for sinners. It's not just for Christians. It's for everyone. And, you know, like Jesus didn't discriminate between Jew or Gentile. So, you know, the fact that inclusiveness is something that's coming more naturally, I guess, to this generation is something that I think we should be happy about. And obviously, like you said, there's more behind it and more stuff we could talk about. But I think just we, we need to start just by celebrating and encouraging them with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your turn, Peter. <laughs> all right. Oh, Eric stole all my answers. Next question. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think the way that I um, have found our group kind of celebrating that has just been like right into our like mission statement. Like we, we really emphasize welcoming all youth. Like yeah. we want to make sure that we create an environment that we're mindful of the way that we talk about things and like and do things in a way that it's like it's not okay to like unconsciously like discriminate against people and what I mean by that is I don't know if we're hanging out with a bunch of like people from the mainland and they're like oh those islanders blah 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 blah. that's kind of like accepted that's accepted that's like I don't know it's like for us like islanders like man we're fine um but then there's other like identity groups that like it's almost culturally okay to like make jokes about but it's like it actually does speak volumes about how you are you know um so and I'm, th- I'm thinking from the perspective of a gen z or a youth coming into your environment they hear these things oh that's so this or those people are so this or blah 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 it's like if that's the way that you approach talking about like different people, then like, are you like, what, what do you believe behind closed doors? Like it, it raises that suspicion. Totally. And there's also the other side of it where I think it's one of those things that has to happen organically. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I mean by that is I think sometimes, and we've all seen it where a business will brag about like how inclusive they are. And immediately you're like, wow, you're just like leveraging the social moment right now. I think that also makes Gen Z's very sus about <laughs> your, your intentions. Like if you're, if you're like, yeah, just like bragging about how inclusive you are, it, it 
raises red flags and you're like well why do you have to say it so much you know right. um so i just like kind of sorry so be it yeah Don't just be just be it, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. um yeah and then practically i've been thinking about this a lot over the pandemic like when we return to a more in-person um situation i i've been thinking like how do we um organize our youth group in a way that someone could literally a youth could walk in and first night be like hey is there anything i can do like help be a part of this it's like yeah totally and just have have opportunities available for youth of all walks of life all backgrounds all um like levels of engagement in their faith mm. where there's like yeah you could honestly believe almost anything and and help in some way yeah um so yeah that's few thoughts on that that's cool yeah and I was thinking about this and I, I was thinking that and I think actually this is super important for any generation um, that is the younger youngest generation is this idea of, of needing to listen and dialogue with this generation and not brush them off mm -hmm. I mean I saw that happening when I was in children and youth ministry that brushing off of millennials and almost in a way, I'm sure maybe you've experienced some of that, but um, that, that need for us to listen to this next totally. generation and what mm -hmm. they're thinking and what they believe and engaging with their ideas about things and not being so afraid of it, um, but actually uh, being ready to listen. And I think this next generation cares about truth. I oh, think totally. the thing is they're bombarded with all different kinds of truth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they have this underlying value of inclusiveness. So they think by not thinking what somebody else thinks, they're not including them. But in the end, how can we actually um, proclaim truth in a way that's attractive and helps them engage with it yeah. and dialogue with it? So I don't, do you have any further thoughts about that? Yes, I do have yes. one. Eric, Eric, you look like you were going to say something. Did you have a thought there? I was waiting for you. Oh, okay, okay, I'll go then. Um, yeah, honestly, one one thing I've been um, super stoked about is in Revelation when you get that picture of what the kingdom looks like, and it's very clearly people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and you're like, yeah, exactly. That's 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 what everybody wants. That's what that's what um, people are talking about a lot. Um, yes. and it's super important. So like you were saying, like dialoguing about that, like putting that out there, like, Hey guys, guess what God's end goal is <laughs> this <laughs> living in communal relationship with people from every tribe, tongue, nation that was written 2000 years ago in a society that was, you know, pretty cold to outsiders a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and like, that's been God's heart from the beginning is, a communal relationship um, with people from all backgrounds, you know? So, yeah. So working that, I think working that into what we talk about the ultimate hope of our faith is, because I don't think it gets talked about often. A lot of the time it's like, yeah, when you die, you get to go to heaven and you don't go to hell. And it's like, that's just not super compelling because people will just be like, well, what if I just don't believe in God? Then I don't have to worry about hell. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so compelling them with that future where all where everybody is included when they when they put their trust in Christ. That's a wonderful, hopeful, um, compelling vision. Yeah. And it's Eric, a, yet, oh and it's also, I was just thinking this, it's like if you want to use the word institution or mistrust of institutions, it's an institution where the one at the top took the ultimate lowest position. Right. right where god himself at the oh, very yeah. top he actually went to the very bottom and gave his life so that he could rise again and that could be the foundation of the life for the community wow so you're like do you want to like you know you want to mistrust leadership but look at this leader look right. at what he did he didn't have to do that he yeah. could have crumbled up this creation and tossed it in the trash bin and been completely justified wow that's fire super fire okay. it's lit oh, man. that was not cool but i had to try <laughs> oh it was cool okay wait, wait. eric's eric's the eric's the gen z he has to let us know if it's uh good or I, I was just thinking i was about to say dude that's fire 
Oh, yeah. There you go. I'm always trying to tell my kids that really I am cool. I am. <laughs> from a, from one Gen Z to you, you, yes. you are cool. Oh, thanks, Eric. You have that spoken cross-culturally. Yes, cross-culturally, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I know that like this is on people's mind. Like this is a, something that gets talked about a lot. It's just the whole this generation with their technology, we kind of addressed it a little bit at the beginning, but how does this affect this? Yeah, we have talked about this a bit, but I still think we need to talk about this a little bit more, is how does this affect anxiety levels that you're seeing and that desire for connections and how can we as a church fill these needs? And I know we talked about this a little bit, but I feel like we should add a little more to that because I feel, I just feel like this is so important that that we, as we are learning in COVID, we are not designed for isolation, right? Mm -hmm. We are designed for connection. God designed that us that way. And so we, we're not surprised to see this anxiety and this feelings of loneliness from too much connection with technology. But how, mm -hmm. can, how can we practically fill these needs in our churches? Eric, you start us off uh where to begin i mean like yeah i think like just with how much technology is a part of their generation like the you know just how social media has become like you know more and more ubiquitous and and um I, we kind of talked about it earlier but um i i kind of labeled it as the compare and despair trap right how mm -hmm. um like peter was saying like you know everyone's blasting things on social media whether it be you know what you're achieving what you're doing you know what you're what you're supporting right and that's just make that just adds to the, to the negative anxiety uh mm -hmm. put a pandemic on top of that where they're stuck at home and all they have to do is their phones and computers and i think you got a recipe for for some not great times for some youth um yeah. but i think you know a place to start or a place where we can start is by providing these youth and even just anyone, just opportunities for genuine, for, for genuine and deep relationships, right? Like, cause like we were saying before, they're so used to a relationship being purely just, hey, how's it going? Good, cool, that's it, right? But I think a good step we can take is just take those relationships further, show them that, hey, there's more to a relationship than FaceTiming or Instagram messaging, right? They're, there, there's so much more past this relationship and, you know, and not just with us, but with God as well, right? For sure. Yeah, so just the idea of not being discouraged by the initial kind of um, like hands-off feeling um, that people might give you, but to press in further because that deeper relationship is desired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Anything to add to that, Peter? Yeah, just like I agree with Eric about the the anxiety coming from a lot of like comparisons that's happening. One of the ways I thought about it is like youth live their lives before the jury of their peers, 24 seven, 24 seven, like mm -hmm. their phones go to the bedroom with them at night and yeah. they wake up with them in the morning. Yeah. And that that's a lot of pressure. I mean, I even feel pressure about what I post on social media. Like there's that unconscious, like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, or, or someone tags you in something or you, or you, you like something and you're just like, there's always that little bit of like, Oh, who's watching. Mm -hmm. That is stressful. Mm -hmm. And if that is the extent of your social interaction, yeah, then that's all you have. Yeah. That sucks. Like <laughs> that's, that is Say it that how is, it is. It does. That is unlit. Unlit. Absolutely. Um, so I think yeah, how we can serve them is maybe this is like one of those values of a communal, uh, like of church, right? Of that communal mm -hmm. relationship is providing a space where you do show love and acceptance uh, and forgiveness. You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to get blocked. You're not going to get unfollowed. Mm -hmm. You know, you're always welcome here. Uh, and like communicating that love mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, just providing, providing that space. I think mm -hmm. letting, letting youth know it's there, inviting them into it. 
Um, another one that I thought of too was like, this is where like, um, like fasting and meditation can become very valuable practices. Mm. Talking about anxiety and mental health, like taking time to meditate on God's word and meditate on God's narrative of the, of the world mm -hmm. um, and not the, the social media feed all the time. Yeah. Um, and then like fasting, maybe you take a day Maybe you take an afternoon, whatever you can handle and just put the phone down, maybe even turn it off. Mm -hmm. Like there's been days where I go out for a couple of hours and leave my phone at home. And I'm like, man, did I just go on vacation? Like that was, <laughs> so. it's interesting you saying that actually, I, I see my kids doing that a little bit, the fasting of their phones where they will put it away for a few hours or for a day. And so I actually see them initiating that kind of disconnection um so it's just interesting to hear you say that out loud because i think that is there there's a craving of disconnection from their media but at the same time that relationship they're craving relationship mm. uh, probably mm -hmm. and i think that's both relationship with god and relationship with others and you know we can't throw out that Thing that's been talked about for as long as I can remember, which is that relational ministry yeah. has to continue to be, I think, a focus for us. Um, and even more so maybe coming out of this COVID. Totally. Time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just to kind of wrap us up uh, a little bit, um, you know, these are our next leaders in our church, which is partly why this is an important conversation. And you know, at Fellowship Pacific, of course, one of our values is leadership. Um, and you guys are, are part of that, being part of the Immerse program. But how do you think we can, what are a couple tips you can give um, our churches about how you think we can raise up leaders in this next generation? I think we've touched on several of them already, but what would you, mm. if you had like, I don't know, maybe you have a top two tips you could give us about that. Eric? I mean, it's a pretty broad statement, but investing in them, right? Whether that's time, whether that's resources, whether that's money, whether that's relationally, right? Just investing them and then, but not just telling them that you're gonna invest in them, but showing them through your actions and through that love that Peter was talking about, you know, showing them that, Hey, I am willing to invest. I want to invest in you, you know? Mm. Yeah, for sure. So go on the extra mile to pour into this generation. Yeah, for sure. Peter, anything from you? Yeah, this is maybe like three things. I'll just break the rules. <laughs> I'll break right. the rules a little bit. I don't know <laughs> if that's a millennial thing. Um, yeah, I think the first one, just providing opportunity to be involved. Okay. No matter where they're at in their faith, uh, no matter where they're coming from, providing opportunity. And like, if someone asks and wants to be involved, like having something ready uh, for them to be involved in that they can, yeah, that they can be a part of and, and use their energy in um, and just communicating value in that way. Mm. Uh, and then the other two things were kind of like in raising up leaders, I think is communicating that strong sense of, of the gifted identity as God's forgiven child. Yeah. God's loved and forgiven child. Um, yeah, just whatever you can do to make that be the thing that they really do believe about themselves. Mm. Like that to be, have that be the identity. Mm. And then number three, um, um, helping them develop a strong sense of social impact from their work. Because as I'm looking at the world, one of the things I think is that if every person had a relationship with Jesus because they genuinely wanted to and worked on that, there are a lot of social issues that would be resolved and maybe wouldn't even happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, we still are in a sinful world. And I just think mm -hmm. that, like, to put it simply, like, Jesus is the answer. And I don't mean that in a like, oh, just accept Jesus and all your problems will go away. It'll be great. It's a revival. Um, but if we welcome the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to shape our hearts, um, and then work through us in our world, so much of the suffering we see can be eased. Like Jesus will work through us to bring his healing. Mm. Um, and even issues in our lives could be completely avoided 
um, following Jesus because we want to, because we believe and trust him. Um, so I guess, yeah, those are three things I was thinking. Yeah. And that, and that brings us back to something, maybe Peter, you said earlier about that beauty, that beauty mm -hmm. of the gospel and displaying that in our lives, in our church as a whole, in how we um, approach our culture and approach social issues, all those things are going to be attractive um, to this generation, but that genuine, authentic living out of our faith, um, living out the grace of God mm -hmm. in our interactions with this generation are going to draw them to, to Christ and help motivate them to want to see others know that same truth and that same message. And, you know, this has been an awesome conversation. I have, I knew that I was going to love this, <laughs> but I have loved it even more than I thought I would. And I just really appreciate both of you. I appreciate the way that you have, are pouring yourselves into the youth at your church and on into your teams. And um, just this, I appreciate your wisdom that you shared with us today. And, you know, it's interesting to me that every kind of older generation, and I guess I'm an older, I guess I'm sort of an older generation now. I hate to admit that, but uh, we tend to see that next generation as hopeless and encountering way more difficult challenges than we had to, to encounter. And I think we can tend to look on the next generation that way, but I think what we can um, remember and even take from this conversation is that the truth of the gospel, the grace, the goodness, the beauty of Jesus and what he's done and the hope that he offers mm -hmm. cuts to the heart of every generation of all time. And we can't forget that when we look at things that might feel hopeless to us or might feel, feel overwhelming or um, scary, we have to remember that that truth of the gospel has always cut through the trouble of culture and it will continue to do so. And so thank you so much. Peter and Eric for being here. Blessings on everything that you're doing. And yeah, have a great day. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're feeling encouraged and hopeful about all the potential that exists in our Gen Z friends. And I would challenge you to look around at the young people in your life and ask yourself how you can be intentional about investing in them, showing them the beauty of a life with Jesus and inviting them to join in that life themselves. And as always, let me remind you that our team here at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is here to serve you. For a full list of the resources we have available and to connect with us, visit our website at www.fedpacific.ca.